See, no women, because they're all next door. Some of them anyway. All right, brother. Can you kick it off?
Mr. Bill loved this song, one of the songs we did it. <laughs> I told Pat about it. Yeah, I love this song too. Jesus, hold my hand. Is that where we do the song? Where? Jesus, 
next door. Next door. You want to go over there? Yeah. Okay. You don't want to be with us guys? I can stay with you. It's yeah. up to you. Yeah. Stay here if you want. I'm sure Denise would be so tickled to see you. I'll have you over there. I'm sure. I'll go see her and see if she got Look, too many men here for you, huh? <laughs> Six you you have a good day. Thank you for coming by. You guys are kind of scary looking. You strive for that, right? <clears throat> well, good to be here. Hey, Lois is doing pretty good. She's kind of recuperating at home, resting and all that good stuff, just so you all know. Amen. And, uh, anyway, remember uh, Brother uh, Carl Swatter's sister-in-law? She's been fighting the COVID thing, and actually I got a report that she's actually there. She's not off of the uh, ventilator, but they turned it up because she's a little bit stronger each time, or they Amen. turn it down, whatever they do. But anyway, she's getting stronger and stronger, so it's actually a positive direction rather than a negative Amen. direction. And pray for Carl. His back is really, really aggravating. Carl. Carl Swan. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Really aggravating. How's yours? Uh, mine actually is pretty good. You know, watch for that Amen. sign getting up on that sign. Praise the Lord, Amen. brother. It was good. It was good. Amen. So anyway, I love you all. love you, brother. Thank you, brother Gary. Good seeing you all. Yeah. Hi, everybody at home. We're uh, studying tonight in uh, John chapter 2, and um, in 2, we're burning this, we're burning this thing right up, man. We're just zipping right through. Uh, we may have, uh, well, we do have a second and third John, don't we? First, second, third John, plus we have this one, so. But uh, one of the things that I uh, try to do when I teach is cause you to think. Uh, you know, it's, you know, we can spoon feed everything, but we want to. I want that my desire is to make people think about what it is, think the deeper things of the scriptures. Uh, when you're preaching in a morning service, you sometimes uh, God will give you some direction. I'm sure He does all of us uh, when we're preaching, and and you're gonna you're you're not gonna have time to dig deep into certain things because God is leading in a certain direction for a certain topic. But in a Bible study, we can do that. We can dig deep into the Word of God. We can uh, ask questions and do different things, and so. Um, I want tonight for you to help me chase a rabbit for a little bit tonight. I chase rabbits every now and then. And, and the purpose is, is I'm going to set some foundation for chapter 2. Uh, odd way of looking at it, but then again, I'm odd, so that's okay. One of the questions I have for you is that why did God give us the commandments and the precepts? Why did he do that? Several reasons why, but can you think of something? Steve? I would say because they're right, just, and holy. Yes, that would certainly be one of them. They reflect his essence. They, they reflect what? His essence, who he yes. really is. Bring yes, glory, it does. Bring yes. glory to him. Yes, brings his glory to him. What else? What else about the commandments? And the, Why did God give the law? Remember the commandments of the law. Okay. What did he give the law? from killing each other. Well, uh, be honest with us, he gave us the law. That's a very good one. He gave us the law so that there would be a consequence for doing things not right. Uh, also to reveal sin. To drive yes, to Jesus. reveal sin, to, to recognize that how, she, here, here's the thing, you're going to see it in here, that God gave us the law so that we would understand very clearly how impossible it was to reach God. 
because that was God's standard. And none of us have ever been able to reach God's standard except one, Christ Jesus. Okay? The other thing is, is that when he gave us this, he measured the, the expectations of our lives in this relationship to him. In other words, Paul always talks about this in many places. Paul does it very good. So does David and some other Old Testament saints. He always measured God's word with his life so that he made sure that he was in that right direction. So God set the standards for your life and mine. And whenever we violate God's standards, bad things happen. Happens to both Christians and lost. Look at what's happening in our world right now. We have violated all God's standards. We've thrown them out. We've killed 60 or 57 million babies. That's just beyond understanding. And so the other thing is that by seeing God's standards, we discover it is impossible, again, like I said, to meet God's standards. It is therefore needed by someone to bridge that gap so that you and I would be reconciled back to God. We needed somebody. That was the, that was the whole purpose of, of, of uh, all the lambs that they were sacrificing and, and all the pictures of the, of the, of the, uh, the temple and, and the, the mercy seat and the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and all that was there. It was all this purpose of this, this idea that, that we needed a Savior that was going to bridge us. It only temporarily did that when it was covered by the lamb's blood. Uh, that was... The, we discovered that there was a bridge called sin that no one could uh, be without. All, we all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. What our world is trying to do right now, and they're very successful at it, is getting, what, getting rid of sin. If there is no sin, there is no accountability. And we see it today. I mean, you see it constantly. When people get stopped by police officers, there is no accountability. They think they have the right to cuss a guy out and to, to disobey them, to not follow any direction. Not because of the, and here's the deal, I'm not trying to be, uh, it, the, the thing is, I'm not trying to go here, but what I'm trying to say is that our, we have no accountability in our world right now. There just is none, and it's because we've got rid of sin. We can feel that, there, that we can go out and do all the things that we're going to do, and nobody's ever going to pay the price for it. And we're, and we're really not seeing anybody pay the price for it right now. And it's kind of scary when you see that, because... That's what we're happening in our countries across the, across the world right now. The other thing is, is that uh, the results of sin is in our lives is, is this idea of, of death that causes, uh, that sends us to hell. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that, that sin causes us, first of all, our sin is already there, so we're already headed to hell. But sin is the results, is hell. Separation from God. That's what took place in the Garden of Eden. They were separated from God because of sin. The other thing is that God sent his son so that we could be uh, reconciled back to the Father by this, uh, this debt that he paid. So that the Bible says, for God so loved the world. And I say that because his commandments and his precepts were always pointing to the cross. Always pointing. No matter where you look at it in the Old Testament, it was always pointing to the cross. Then, but Jesus uh, did not uh, just come to this. Here, here's the other thing I want you to see. And this is where I'm laying the foundation for the rest of chapter 2. Jesus didn't come to just pay our price for debt, but to come to be fulfilled of all the points of the law so that when he gave his life, he was an acceptable sacrifice for the Father. But he also came to be an example. 
And when he, we violate his examples, we get into trouble. Christians get into trouble. I get into trouble. Pastor talked about it the other day. I, I told you stuff I've done where all those Christians don't do it. I do it anyways. And, and he goes, how did that work out for you? <laughs> you know, it just doesn't work out, does it? Uh, and it's happened to all of us. We've all been down that road. But why, why, is, uh, why else did God give us this law? And it's to, it's to govern our life so that when we walk down the, 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 the sanctification is the picture here. And I said this before, according to God's eyes, we're covered by the blood. So we're already sanctified in heaven, but we still live in this, this, uh, this uh, body of, of sin. And so we're constantly trying to deal with sin every day. We're trying to walk close to the cross. We're trying to, to, to deal with our life because if we don't, we're going to pay the consequence for it. If you don't, here's an idea. If, if somebody offends you and you get mad at him, does it ever help you to, does that person, if he doesn't even know you're even mad at him, does it hurt him any? Does it, does it? The only person that hurts is the person to your, that, that's mad. And even if you get mad and throw a big fit, the person that hurt is you. I mean, I, look at some of those people that are giving you, that the police are stopping and they're screaming and yelling at them and, and you're going, what in the world are they thinking? I mean, what's, what kind of life are they having? And that's what God's saying. He said, we're to love our neighbors ourselves, and to treat them as, and that's what our commandments are. And that's what's happening when we, when we break the, 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 the mold that God has done, then, uh, then uh, it, it hurts us. You know, Satan never changed his way of doing stuff. He's the same, he's the same guy. His same program hasn't changed since the garden. Didn't change since... Uh, he got a third of the angels to rebel against heaven. He's the same, same God, same guy, trying to destroy God's work and try to destroy all the work that we're trying to do in God's name. He never changes. He's always got that same way of attack. What, is the, what was the first attack that Satan did in, in humankind? Temptation. Temptation? Okay, what was the result of that? Temp where, did, where did he attack? Eve, who was Eve married to? Adam. So Satan attacked the family. marriage, the family. Okay, and I'm taking you to chapter 2 here. Okay, so what Satan did was is he attacked the family. <coughs> Look at what's going on in our world right now. We've got 50% divorce rate in our country, and it doesn't matter whether they're secular or Christian. Here's how I deal with it when I've had people come to me and ask me about divorce. I said, I have no right to understand why you divorce. Here's the deal. If you're married now, stay to the person you're married to. Love them as God teaches you to love them. I have a right to judge what's going on. That's between you and God. I'm not in that position to do that. And if you told me, then that would be different. But here's the point I'm trying to make. That God has, Jesus did make a position for, for divorce in certain places. And I'm not trying to paint the picture other than to say, you don't throw away your wife to go find another one. Because, you, you know, go back to the other one. You stick with who you have, right? Isn't that what God teaches us? And that's the point I'm trying to make. So what happens is that God is trying to, to divide us. Just because I've been married 52 years doesn't mean I got all figured out. I just got more lumps on my head than so. Here's the thing is that God created the marriage first. Then what was the second thing that he did? What was the second thing that God, that Satan did in the garden? Bet you never thought of this. Separation. Good. Take it farther. 
take it well, take he, it to human terms now. Well, he put Eve and Adam against each other. Okay, well, he did that, but he but it was okay. God set up something in the garden, right? Right. And so when Satan really got right. them to sin, what happened? Uh, he was taking something away from God. He was cast out. He was cast out. Cast out. He destroyed the government, didn't he? Yes. When you destroy the family, you destroy the government. And the government was this whole thing in the garden. That was God's government. That was how they were supposed to function. Pastor tells you about it. When you get in trouble, go back to the, to the garden. Go, go back to what you're supposed to be. That was the government. And so that's what we see. And I bring this to today's society. He's breaking the marriage up. He's already done that. He's done that for, since, well, since the 80s. It's been, this divorce been rampant for, in this country for a while. And, and in other countries, uh, well, in the Jewish country, all you had to do was get rid of a wife, say, I divorced you three times, and they were gone. And then what happened was is that they were talking about widows and, and orphans. That what uh, Jesus was condemning the Jews were is that they were throwing their wives away and they would go get another wife and they, these people would be destitute whether they had children or not. There was no obligation in the Jewish law for them to be taken care of. It's happened across our world. And what happens is it destroys government. It destroyed Rome and it destroyed all the rest. And so that's what we're seeing in our, in our world right now. How you fix this world, a nation, let's get our families back together. Why is Chicago the way it is? You know, I heard a, I heard a thing on TV that was, that, that I, and I said, I can't believe that you missed it. Because they were, they were talking about how the poor women uh, were being, uh, uh, had trouble with, on welfare and taking care of their children. And they were suffering and they were in poor houses. And, and then they were talking about, well, my mom was that same way. And then my mom was that same way. I'm going, where were the men? Why was that question not come up? Where's the men? See, here's the thing. What people don't understand is, is that men were going to be accountable for how they treated their wives. If you throw them away, you're still accountable. Period. You're going to be accountable for your kids. One of the things that scare me the most is about my son. I love my son. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, and, but he's accountable for his grandchildren. And guess where they're at on a Sunday? Disney. Little tickets. Take pictures. And I'm and I he knows better. Sent him to Christian school. He lived in I've you know I've been he, you know been with him for a long time. But uh, he come he has a uh, uh, a daughter that's Jehovah Witness and he's struggling with mine and we're struggling with hers and he's got a best friend that's Jehovah Witness. No, his best friend's Mormons. Could you imagine that for just a minute? So now he's got a best friend that's a Mormon, a daughter that's a Jehovah Witness, and a dad that's a that's a Christian. Notice I separated the three on purpose. And so he's going, how do I fit all that in? I know he's struggling with that. But his responsibility doesn't matter that. My responsibility is raising him. His responsibility is raising his children. He's got two that are saved. But his grandchildren, I have a responsibility for my grandchildren, and so do you. That's my point I'm trying to make. I'm trying to talk about my child. I'm talking about us as, as men being responsible. We want to break away the responsibility of this nation, and we need to get back to it. Well, wasn't it, okay, Eve was the one that was deceived. Yep. Actually, it was the man that was told not to eat the uh, fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and yep. evil. Yep. Eve wasn't on the scene at that particular time. We don't know whether she was or not, but we know that it was directed directly to Adam. And right. so evidently he didn't, he didn't pass on the information or didn't. Who, who tempted, who tempted uh, Eve was 
the devil tempted Eve. Right. Eve not only grabbed the fruit, not only tasted it, and when Adam seen that, he couldn't understand why God would have said, well, if you even touch or eat of right. this, you'll die. Well, that's not what he said. He didn't say that. Eve added to it. God says, just don't eat it. When Eve, when Eve came, when Eve, here's the question, this is the case. Whenever you start opening up a conversation with Satan, you're in trouble. Because yeah. he knows the Bible better than you do. Yeah. And so what he did was, he, did, he said, you know, if you'll eat this, this, this fruit, uh, you'll be wise just like God. Well, guess what? It was, that fruit was going to give us a knowledge of good and evil. Okay, we already had the, the triune body, the spirit, the body, and the soul. And so by, he said, you'll be just like God. Well, he wasn't really lying. But he told, but Eve says, well, I know, and he says, didn't God say, and Eve added to it, well, he says, if you don't even touch it. He never, he never told her that. In the original language, God says, just don't eat it. And so she added to it. When that's what happens, that's the, that's the fundamental difference between what's happening in our world is we want, we're seeing a lot in our, in, in our, in our fundamental movements, so our, our um, movements that are evangelical movements are adding a lot of stuff to things that aren't there. They're trying to bring back Pentecost. They're trying to bring back stuff that wasn't meant to be there. And so what happened was, is that, that he was there, he says he was with her when he was listening to it going on, and he didn't do nothing about it. He just, he just went along for the ride. He got in trouble because he didn't do anything. Okay, and so he just went along with it, and he, yes? I think, too, is that when you think of the responsibility of Adam... He was responsible to teach Eve. Yep. What he what yep. about that? Yep. You know, so uh, he's the man. He's the leader. He was the he's the leader. Yep. Exactly. He should've, he should've you know why women can't uh, aren't leaders in uh, prank can't preach? I know Paul talk about it, but you know the fundamental reason? The garden. Who did God? Who did Satan fool? What is man's greatest fall in in human history? Women. Why? We look at women, we like them, we, we act them. stupid, and we create wars, we kill people. I mean, Troy, the, the battle in Troy was one of those examples, many others. Okay? And so what happens, Satan uses the woman to get to the man. Hasn't changed since the beginning. That's the reason why. It doesn't mean women aren't qualified. It means that's because we're stupid. He doesn't let us get stupid with by using, that's one of the reasons. That's one of many reasons. That's one. And nothing to do with qualifications. Women are very uh, great, but that's, and this is, this is a preacher's opinion. You can not agree or not agree. Disagree or not. That's, that's what I'm trying to teach you here, and it's okay if you don't disagree, but that's what took place. Satan always taxed a man through, through women. Always. Always. And that's but through history. That's why they don't preach. One of the reasons, there's, there's others, but that, that's a, it's not about qualification. It's not about love. Jesus Christ, I mean, think about it for a moment. Uh, when Jesus went to the cross, so the one guy was there, all the rest were women. When the, when the resurrection Sunday, the only ones that were there were, were women. Jesus went to women in many different places and used them. So never think women aren't valuable. They're just placed in an area where they're supposed to be a help mate. That's the creation of them. I would not be the person I am without my wife. I would probably be a big mess. Yeah, and so that's the reason why, okay? Has nothing to do with value. Getting on to, and we're getting into the wedding here. Chapter 2, verse 1. Why am I bringing you there? 
because I want you to see that, that, that when Jesus first, he decided to go uh, to this wedding he was invited to, he knew family, he, he knew the, the people there, and he decided to go. And so in the opening scene, it hasn't quite started his ministry. His ministry really starts in, uh, when he cleanses the temple, when he goes to Jerusalem. Jesus goes to Jerusalem at the start of his ministry, and at the end of his ministry, he's in Jerusalem during Passover. Started in Passover, ended in Passover, okay? So what we're seeing here is, is his value for, for weddings, his value for, for marriage. That's what we're seeing here. And so when I wed people, a lot of times I'll point here. I did that for my grandson's wedding. Pointed here. This is what God valued. Jesus valued it so much that he showed up there uh, at, the, at this wedding because he values marriage. One of the questions I asked my grandson was, are you interested in a Christian wedding or a secular wedding? Because if you're interested in a secular wedding, I have nothing to do with it. And my other grandson's gonna hear that in the next couple, the next few days, once I get him settled down, he's, uh, he's running all over the place right now with the, the guards and stuff in Marion County or a lot of stuff going on there. Well, let's read. On the third day, there was a wedding uh, in Canaan of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, I want you to know that if we read through this very quickly, we're going to really miss some good stuff. What's great about the Bible is it's like digging up treasure. It just The more you dig, the more you find. And, there, and there's all kinds of nuggets and diamonds and all kinds of great stuff in there. So Jesus is going to this wedding and his mom's there. I don't know about you, but that'd be kind of intimidating, you know? I'm sure it was. Except that he's God incarnate. But his mom's there. Well, who else is there? And now both uh, Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So guess what? They were his friends now. They were following him. And the reason why you see the word in third day is because that's how John will describe how he's changing the direction of the scene. Okay? He does it even in, the, in, in Revelation. He'll do some explanation of, of another day. It doesn't necessarily... Uh, in a time frame, okay? Uh, so don't try to grab it that way. John's writing is to show you that something's taking place in a new scene, okay? Uh, you could try to add all that up, that's fine. But I'm just trying to point out that that's how John writes, okay? He tells you he's in a, he's a new scene, a different day. Uh, and we're invited to the wedding, and, and when they ran out of, of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, uh, they have no wine. <laughs> now, uh, it's pretty funny, if you think about it for just a minute, that Jesus and his disciples Mary, uh, they were probably there because Philip and Nathaniel were from that area. Okay, It's probably one of the reasons why they were there. Very possible they knew some of the wedding party. Remember, this is the big... We don't have multi-millions of people in the city, you know. <clears throat> and so they're there, and so the, the wine that they're talking about is about one-third diluted, about uh, one-tenth the strength of regular wine. <coughs> I got a frog in my throat. Need him. Drunkenness and consumption uh, was in the Old Testament was a big deal. So this wasn't about getting drunk, okay? And you can see it in Psalms 104, 15, Proverbs 20, verse 1, and uh, uh, Ephesians 5, 18. And so we see here that Christ, uh, it, we're going to see his humanity here. Now, he says something that's kind of odd. 
and, and, and we kind of, as in the English language, will go, well, that's kind of a rough uh, answer, but uh, it's really not. If you study it and break it down, you'll, you'll see what it really means. Jesus said to her, woman, what, what does this have to do concerning to do? Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not come yet. Okay? Now, the word woman there is not the woman that you think. It's the word mama. He was responding to it in a respectful way. It sounds like he's not, but if you look at it and look it up, he's really responding to him by saying, Mama, what do I have to do with thee? Now, what happened is, if you ran out of wine, you know, this, this usually this thing was a one-week event, and if you ran out, you could, you could get sued for, for not having enough supplies to take care of people. So it was a big deal, and it was a small city, and so... You would have reproach probably for the whole neighborhood would talk about, did you see that wedding? They just ran out of wine. So Mary evidently has got something to do with it. And so think about it for a moment. She runs out of wine. And she don't kind of run down to the local drugstore and try to buy some wine. She goes to the one who can supply the wine. How did she know that? Well, the Holy Spirit it came into her to have him in the first place, so she knew that he was more than just who most people thought. Yeah, uh, there's places in the Bible that talks about she hid things in her heart. Right. She sees her things about Jesus, she hides in her heart. That, that woman, though, too, is the same woman that Christ says to her, at the cross, you, says, you stole. You stole my thunder, that's Frank. Your, you're <laughs> and you're, you're, John, you're yep. Dr. It's Mother. exactly right. It's, it's exactly right. And you, no, no, no. That's, I'm glad you did because that takes us right to where we need to be. He didn't do it by disrespect. He, when he was on the cross, think about it for a moment. Take the humanity of Jesus for just a moment. You pointed it out perfectly. Here he is on the cross, and he's buying. He's paying all the sin debt, and he thinks of his mother. And he calls her mama, and he turns to John and says, take care of her. That was an Old Testament saying. It wasn't to be, and he was to look after her. Okay, so when he got there, he showed up. Think about his humanity for just a moment. And then here he is here, and his, and his mom goes, hey, go see Jesus. We can fix this up. Uh, no problem at all. How did she know that? I imagine that when, here's the thing, and, and a lot of people want to argue about it, there was never a moment that Jesus was never God. Now, th what the Bible says, as he grew in stature, he quit pooping his pants when he grew up. He started to walk. He's just like everybody else. But he still was God. Still cried when he wanted a bottle. Still was hungry. The Bible says, I, the Bible says he thirsted. He was human. He was as much human as he was. But the Bible says he removed his glory so that you and I could be before him. Right. Could you remember some times where the glory showed up and things, bad things happened? I think in Jesus' time, there's two of mine think of. About the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible says he glowed. His glory came out. He had a little bit of his three guys with him. He was going to kill him, okay? You can't stand before God's glory. We cannot, as human beings, stand before God. That's why we need a whole new body. We will never stand before God. He's that glorious. Remember that time that he was arrested? And a whole troop of Roman soldiers and Sanhedrin came up and was going to arrest, or the, 
the uh, Sanhedrin guards came up and arrested him. He says, he said, who are you? He says, I am. The same word he used when he told Moses, I am. And those people said that they fell down as dead men. Gospel. Something I was thinking this week and some of my reading this week was, um, you know, when I think about her and how she realized who her son is and was, it made me think about, a lot of times we think about Peter, right, how he walked on water, right? You would all probably say, who walked on water? You'd say, Peter walked on water. But the, but the realistic aspect of that is, it's not that Peter walked on water, but Peter walked on the substance of the word. Of yes, God. yes. Yes. Which takes it to a whole oh, yeah. level. Oh, yeah. Substance, and nothing to do with the water. <laughs> and nothing to do with the water. But the substance yes. of the Word of God. Oh, yes. And that is, is to me, it's just about mind yes. blowing. Uh, and, and that's what, here's the thing that blows my mind that Mary's seen that yeah. for 30 some years. Because he's about 30 years old by now. He's seen it for 30 some years. And he said, hey, go talk to Jesus. The word. So notice that she doesn't argue with him. Notice that he's an obedient son. Right. He doesn't, am I ain't going to do it? Ain't gonna, he, he said, <laughs> she said to him, like he didn't even say nothing. Uh, well, let's look at it. <laughs> this, if, you, if you're not careful, you just miss this encounter of his humanity. Uh, he, and then the hour has not yet come. He says, my mother said, uh, his mother said that to the servants, whatever he says, go do. <laughs> She didn't even argue. She just, just, just whatever he tells you to do, you go do it. Talk about confidence. <clears throat> now there were uh, uh, there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. So if you think thirty gallons times six is one hundred eighty gallons of water, or a whole lot of wine, one hundred eighty gallons of wine. Okay, but. The part of purification means that they weren't using earthen pots, they were using stone pots. Because in that time of purification, when you put things in earthen pots, it would get, the wine or the water would get contaminated. And so why they're telling you this time of, of, of purification is they use stone pots, okay? So that they didn't permeate, that didn't damage the, the, the liquid. Fill the pots with water. And they filled them up and they said to them, draw some uh, out now and take it to the master of the feast. Now the master was like a, a, a ceremony guy. He was the guy that, that told people where to sit. He uh, guided people. You know, there's, today uh, women will hire uh, people, wedding planners. You know, tell, well, that's kind of like this person here was a wedding planner. And he directed all the stuff and had the people all sit down. Usually if you don't have a wedding planner, your mother-in-law does it. <laughs> That's the way it was at my grandson's wedding and others, you know. Family member does it. So uh, it, they draw some and he take it to the master of the, uh, the feast. The reason why is he's making sure that it's, that it's uh, approvable to, to, drink, approved to drink. And they uh, took it and when the master of the feast had tasted it, the water uh, uh, that was made of wine, he did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. And the master of the feast called the brine group. Now, that's, remember, that's the person that provides it, okay? And he said to him, uh, every man at the beginning of the set uh, out of the, the good wine uh, and the guests get, uh, were drunk, doesn't mean drunk, it means full of, 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 uh, of the liquid. Uh, and then the inferior, you kept out the good wine for now. What happened was when Jesus does it, he does the best. 
That's how I see it. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't mess around. He says, uh, does the best. Paisano. Carl Rossi Paisano. Yeah. Yes, does the best. So it's 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 a beautiful picture. We're going to get into something very deep now. Uh, we don't know how far we're going to get, but I'm going to make you think about it. Uh, so he's talking about now, this is John again, remember he says in the beginning of, of the signs did it in Canaan of Galilee and manifest his glory and his disciples believed in him. So he's manifesting his glory uh, in his signs. This, this, uh, John uses the word signs uh, in its miracles, things that only God could do, okay? Um, and so John will use the word signs in his writing. But it's miracles, it's things that Jesus had done that only been on, and so there's no difference between this, the, well, here, uh, there is a difference. Can you think of the difference would be from signs and miracles? I would consider a sign kind of a biblical prophecy fulfilled in a miracle, whereas a miracle is just something that normally yeah. can't happen. Can happen, yeah, or, or a magician. There was a lot of people who did magician. Remember the, remember the guy was in, in uh, uh, Peter's time, or Paul's time, he was said he could do some miracles and this stuff, and, and then he, this uh, uh, thing jumped in his body, his things, people to do that. Uh, Satan will be able to do miracles that we think uh, when the case of, of uh, uh, Job uh, he created a lot of created storms, created all kinds of things, had people come in. So there's the difference. Science is exactly that. That's why John calls it that. John is always pointing me and you to the Messiah. Okay, that's why he uses the word Messiah, signs there. Okay? So that's important to see that. Uh, uh, and his disciples believed in him. Uh, and after this, he was, uh, went down into Capernaum. Uh, and he and his mother and his brothers... Uh, and his disciples, and they did not stay uh, there many days. Notice that uh, the uh, Jews will say he had no siblings. What does he do with this verse? He had brothers. Had and, sisters. Huh? Had sisters. Yes, had sisters too. Uh, and uh, what, yeah, actually, because they said, and, and if you will look up the Greek there, it means sibling. Doesn't mean, you know, some will say, well, it means you and I as brother. No, no, the Greek says sibling. Okay, so it meant, meant exactly that. Now uh, the pastor of the Jews, we're verse 13. Now are in the pastor of the Jews that the hand of Jesus went up uh, uh, at hand. And Jesus went up uh, to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who were sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers doing business. There are some important things that you see here that I want you to to, to see here that is very important. Um, I have a simple way of explaining it, but what do you think took place here? What do you, what do you think was going on there? What was going on? I know you've probably heard it. I probably know you've, you've uh, read it at different, different places. You've heard sermons on it. Um, what do you think is going on? Why does he get so mad? Because of cheating going on, there's uh, for the like the coinage from the mm -hmm. Roman coin to the temple coins, they wouldn't give the right adequate exchange, so mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. And instead of giving a 
uh, sheep or goat or whatever for the sacrifice, it wasn't the best sacrifice. It may have been a good one, but they substituted one that was of lesser quality to mm -hmm. the sacrifice. That, and that in and of itself. Uh, and then plus, this is God's backyard, so right. to speak. And um, they're making it a... There's also time. different kinds of money, too. Yes. There was temple money and yes. there was the pagan from yep. money, <laughs> yep. money exchangers, you know. So uh, idolize, uh, idolize money. Let me see if I can find the right scripture here. Uh, Pastor talked about it a couple weeks ago. This is a parallel verse. And if you grasp this part, you'll grasp this, this, the New Testament. Uh, this is 2 Samuel chapter 6, and I'm in verse 1. Again, David gathering all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went up with all the people who were with him, uh, with Baal, uh, Judah, to bring up uh, from there the ark of God, whose name is called by his name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubims. So they went and set the ark on, uh, of God on a new cart. I'm going to stop there. What... And then we, let's going to go to, we're going to go to uh, First Chronicles, First Chronicles 15. You go there, I'm going to find it real quickly. I always have fun here with uh, these Old Testament things, Chronicles. Chronicle First Chronicles 15, 11 through 15, if you're there, read 11 through 15. Then David summoned Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. Uriel, a bunch of other people, I'm paraphrasing, and the Levites. He said to them, you are the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. It was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord, our God, broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So the priests and Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's let's stop for just a second. What what does the ark of the covenant? What is it? What what, what does it consist of? It's an overlaid gold of Arcadia wood. Uh huh. Uh huh. And what's inside? What's inside yeah. is uh, the manna, okay. Aaron's rod, uh -huh. and the Ten Commandments. Okay. What else is What else is significant about the Ark of the Covenant? Uh, the cherubim's on top. Mercy seat. Okay. So, so what is the picture of the Ark of the Covenant? Let me read it to you to make you think. First of all, the manna is God's provision. Okay. The staff is God's leadership and power and strength, and the, the tablets are God's word. And the mercy seat is God's provision for salvation. So all that was going on was salvation when they were moving the ark. And God gave them a direction in Deuteronomy and in Numbers on how to move the ark. What did, what did, what did David decide to do? I'm just going to put it on a new ark and get it there faster. <laughs> well, what happened was he had a general... Uh, uh, that just steadied the ark. And so God killed him. Why? Because he wasn't supposed to touch the ark. And so God was bringing it out that 
And so David got so afraid, he didn't touch the thing for years. Yeah. He was like, I must have messed up. So he went in 2 Chronicles and found out what he was supposed to do. What's going on here? They're selling salvation. You're, you're, God will not allow you to short circuit and to cut salvation short. He has one way to heaven, and it's his way. There is no other way. And they were selling salvation in that temple. Just like you said, Frank, if I had a, if I had a lamb, they had an inspector there, and they'd look at my lamb, and they go, that's not a good enough lamb. So you just take that lamb and set it over there, and, and we're gonna, we've got some lambs we're going to let you buy, or a dove, or whatever they're going to do. And they'll sell those doves, and oh, those have been sanctified doves. What does that sound like today? Kosher. Kosher, yeah, oh yeah, they were just the right, they were blessed. They were the blessed lambs, or the blessed doves, they were the blessed ones. And, and what would happen was, you'd be like on a car lot, you'd say, well, I'll take this dove here. Well, I have Roman coins, so I'd have to go to a money changer, and it'd be tax collectors, and different people, and they would be three for a dollar, or four for a dollar, whatever you could get that running day. And so they were selling salvation... That's why Jesus got mad. Because he got there. Here's the deal. These people that are out there, I can imagine what they're going to stand before when a preacher stands up to, this, to the world and says many ways to God. Because he, is, he got mad and made some whips and chased people out because of that. Hell's going to burn so much hotter for those leading those people astray. But it polluted the area, too. I yes. Mean, you weren't supposed to keep the animals the way they exactly. were. Exactly. So it polluted the area. People were distinct along with that. Look at the words that John says. There's some pretty cool things in here when you, when you kind of figure it out. He found in the temple those who sold oxen and doves and money changers. They were doing business. So they were selling they were, they were exchanging money, and they were doing business. They were making it a profit. There was a profit to be made. Why did Jesus get crucified? Of course, because he was Christ, but he was cutting into their profit base. Guess what he did? Guess what he did when he turned to the temple on the, on the third time before he was getting ready to go to Calvary? He did the same thing again. He didn't learn the first time. When he had made the whips and cords, he drove them out of the temple in which the sheep and the oxen poured it out and changed it over. <laughs> Notice that nobody tried to stop him. <laughs> uh, and he said to those who sold it, take these uh, things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that he had written, the zeal of your Lord shall be eaten up. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us since you can do these things? Well, in there. Destroy this temple and I'll raise it. He doesn't. He's going to destroy this temple I'll raise it up three. And do you know what they did at the cross? Made fun of him. Said, you said you could destroy the temple. And they understood it. Because they mocked him. He said, you, you said you had three days you could raise it up. They understood it. They just played dumb. And he did raise it up. Talking about a temple. He was a living God. I'm telling you, there was no, there was no guards, no Sanhedrin stopping him that day. This is what I, this is what I just, I tell him, Pastor, I wrote it because I wasn't feeling good in one shirt. And I got excited when I started studying this. You know, I've done this before, but there's something about God's word just makes you feel well. I was, uh, and I'm not bragging here. Uh, yesterday I wouldn't feel good. I just sing to Jesus. 
You know what? You know what? And that's the best medicine in the world. Right. And I'm telling you what, I've been fortunate to have a Savior. The love. You know, we all have. And the love. You're right, Frank. And, and you guys know the Word of God. I mean, it's just, I'm teaching to the teachers here. You can teach me stuff. Uh, and uh, let me close with it. You guys, the other, not long ago, talked about a testimony about how you were saved. Did you know that's the greatest uh, testimony you can ever have? It's the easiest one to do because it's yours. And so whenever you go to witness to somebody, tell them how Jesus saved you. It's the easiest thing to do. Yep. Satan won't like it. But it's something that's personal to you and you know it better than... The only one that knows it better than you is God because he was there and he orchestrated it. He covers them over and over again. When I think of some of the things I did in my life with, which were stupid and I wasn't using my head and how God brought me through it. Yeah. And when I, afterwards I think of why? I, yeah. I don't deserve this. And yet he brought me out of the miry clay. Where touches me the most, Frank, is this, is that my dad was always ridiculing me. He never was good enough. You know, no matter what age I was. I didn't know where it Yeah, and I'm sure that you all had that. And this is not unique, but, but what I'm trying to do is my contrast is Jesus. Holy Spirit, when I when I do something stupid, I, he don't he don't go. He just says, "I love you," and here's what you should have done, or he'll send you to the Word. He'll send you to somebody. Sometimes people will just come to you. You ever had that? We got something going through your life, and somebody just see what you're going through. What God has brought you through, He's ready to get you someplace to help that person get through it. Yeah, He's just amazing like that, and so you just you stand in awe of it. And how is it possible that the world misses it? I mean, our world is in chaos, but it shouldn't be. I just seen, I don't know how true it is, there was over 6,000 baptized in Venezuela. And I seen, and I seen uh, in Kenosha, there was like 60 or something like that were baptized. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, just the other day. So man, they don't ever think God's not at work. Pastor, want to close? Sure do. Father, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for coming 2,000 years ago. Uh, but, Lord, you always work. And, Father, Lord, and you're especially in the New Testament era, Lord, you dwell inside the temples of our heart. Yes. And, Father, we're just so grateful for that. We're thankful, Lord, for your word. Uh, we're thankful, Lord, that uh, sacredness and holiness is important to you. And, Lord, if it's important to you, it needs to be important to us. Yes. Lord, help us to stay faithful 